0: Hello and welcome to the Browns Blitz. Today is Wednesday, May the 5th, Cinco de Mayo. I'm your host, Rod Bloom. Joining me today is my co-host for today's festivities, Rachel Shepard. You can find her at Redhead013013. Rachel, how are things going? It's been a while.
1: Yeah, it's been a minute or two. Everything's going good.
0: Excellent. I know you've got more to add than that, but we can't wait for <laughs> it now. So, um, we're we're, we're going to bring in our guest, none other than Lane Adkins, at the real la underscore, underscore. Um, Lane, did I say that right, Lane? Hey, no. You got it. <laughs> no, actually, you got it
1: right. I know. Is it
0: underscore? <laughs> yeah, I'm like looking at that. I'm like, it's two underscores, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, I'm, um, just, I'm here for the ride. Rachel's gonna be the star <laughs> of this show, so let's, all right, let's you do need it. to
2: stop. Uh,
0: yeah, Elaine, it's it, it's great to talk to you. Uh, you do, um, you're with the Orange and Brown Report at the OBR, right? And uh, everybody can find you, of course, on find your stuff on your uh, Twitter account and at the OBR. Um, you are a uh, I'm going to say this because a lot of people claim to be Browns insiders. You're an actual Browns uh, insider. Yeah, we have, we have a lot um, of uh, pretend Browns insiders on on uh, Twitter. Yeah, I'm just a guy who
3: does his little part, man. Nothing more.
0: Yeah, well it, it, it it's great to it's great to have you on the on the podcast. Uh, we've been looking forward to to talking to you, and um, we're going to get. Don't lie. Yeah. Rachel has not yeah I'm glad to be here and I hear that voice so yeah I, I get it So we we've got a lot of Brown stuff going on so we're gonna get into a lot of Brown's talk and, and uh, you know um, with the draft and, and other things happening but but Lane I want to uh, to give you an opportunity that we give all of our guests on this show which is uh, we' like to let our guests talk about their journey as a Browns fan. So I'm going to give you the floor. I just want you to, uh, to share with us kind of how things have gone for you as a Browns fan. Anything Uh, that you want to share at this point?
3: You know, it's just, it's really the road that a, a lot of us have taken. I mean, as far as, as the fanhood, I mean, I was born in Miami, Florida. I was, came to Cleveland and I was a Browns fan from a little kid and lived through everything through the, the Mike Phipps and Brian Sipe, Eras and paul mcdonald and my my guy bernie kozar uh, red right 88 which was a, a tragedy as a younger guy <laughs> uh, yeah. you know it's just one of them things it's a, you know if you're if you're a browns fan you live through just about every every up and down you possibly can without getting to that 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 climax and you know we're, it's we're in a position where in 2021 we could actually sit here and say that this is something that just may happen, and it's just a shocking thing. And hopefully people really appreciate where this team is right now because you just don't see that often in Cleveland.
1: It's no longer the date that never ends.
3: Yeah, that's correct.
0: Yeah, so I'm going to ask both of you guys this. um, Because I'm I'm struggling with this a little bit. You know, um, we saw last season, and obviously the Browns had – for compared to what we've seen, they had tremendous success last season. Mm -hmm. And now we've seen a lot of additions. We know that the team has one, you know, good year under their belt. Um, So everybody's very optimistic about this year. And I think about the future of the team, what exactly do you get? Do you guys feel like we're seeing at this point? Where do you feel like this team is? Um, you know, either this season or, or going forward, you know, what's, uh, I don't even know how, how exactly to phrase this, you know, what's what's the importance of what we're seeing right now with the Browns? I'll let you go, go first, Lane.
3: What you're looking at is a, a, a team that has been constructed with a lot of professionalism and everybody on the same page on how you get this thing done, which is, really the most important thing that's happened in this organization in a long time. You got guys that are younger guys, guys with visions, guys who understand data, guys who understand and have been involved in football scouting and know how to identify football players and what they can do on the field. But one of the things that they do here that is a little different that's been in the past is that football is still a people business and people try to forget about that because they get stuck in the dollars and cents of what the game is. And you get right down to it; it's still a people business. And this organization, especially guys like Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Berry, they understand that. You know, yeah. sometimes you, you're going to. Sorry, this microphone just broke up on me. Um, to get back to it, though, you you have to understand that people, the mentality, and you got to put the right kind of people together in a room. And let them develop and evolve. And that's what you're seeing happening here. And that's, you know, the credit to what they've done and part of the reason for the success that they had in 2020.
0: Yeah. So, Rachel, what are, you, what are your thoughts on what we're seeing with the Browns right now?
1: Uh, for me, it's very reminiscent of when I was a kid and, you know, the Bernie our days. Um, I think that the most important thing that's changed within the organization itself is not only the front office. But the culture, complete mindset change, whereas before, you know, I still like Freddie Kitchens as a person, but he was more like a friend than a boss, at least with, um, you know, coach and AB, you've got people who say, Hey, there's a job that needs to be done and we need to do it. We need players that can follow directions and follow the game plan and follow the numbers and how we have stuff set out. And that's exactly what the guys are doing. They're following directions. They're listening to the coaches now. They're not thinking it's one giant big party, you know, to where they can just do whatever they want. They're actually getting down to business and getting it done. And when you can have a coach that basically can sit in a basement during a playoff game and win the game, then you know something's changed, especially with the Cleveland Browns.
3: You know, that's really a good point. Because when you look at back at what the Browns were under John Dorsey and Freddie Kitchens, it was there was a lack of or, lack of organization. There was a lack of a plan.
2: Absolutely, mm-hmm. um,
3: you know how to structure this thing and how to go forward with it. Because what you would have is that things were changing all the time. You would have a plan, and then 48 hours later, they were going to do something else, or you would scheme and have a game plan going in the game day on a Sunday. And you know, within the first fifteen plays, everything is just thrown out the window, and you're just doing all kind of craziness. It was just that that lack of guidance and that, that upper level leadership that really cost them in that season. That Freddie Coach uh, Freddie Kitchens was on the sideline. It was detrimental because that was a better team as it was constructed talent wise than what it was in performance.
0: Yeah. So. Talking about the culture change, how much of the culture change do you do you guys attribute to to players like Jarvis and Baker and, and Miles and Nick Chubb compared to Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski? What do you think, Rachel?
1: Well, I think the culture changes everything. Um, once in my opinion, just from visually seeing what they've said, you know, in like building the Browns and on, you know, interviews that, you know, come up on, you know, the Browns website and stuff and you watch them and you can see last year versus this year or the, even two years ago that their mannerisms are different. They hold their head up higher. You know, they have the confidence not only in themselves as players, but at, in their coaching staff and their training staff, you know, I'm even sure they have, faith in their janitorial staff for all I know. You know the, <laughs> yeah, the entire culture in that team is absolutely different. You could feel it on the field, you could see it in the guys' eyes. You know, people like our players like Jarvis, you know, um Baker even, you could tell he's different. Their mindsets different and it's a bracelet that um uh Breezy Clee gave me and a bracelet that Baker wears it's called humble over hype and that is exactly how they did it last year they kept themselves humble they cheered when they won and then they moved on to the next game it was one game at a time one step at a time and that is how I thought they won the season
0: Uh, so so Lane do you think a culture change started should we give uh, Jarvis any credit or do you think things really started to change when Jarvis got here or did none of that really matter until Stefanski and Barry? Well, a lot, of power.
3: P- a lot of people don't really think about that and realize that when you bring a guy in who knows how to work, who's very diligent and can push people and will push himself, you know, actions speak louder than words. And Jarvis Landry has been a guy who has typified exactly what that is. The guy mm-hmm. comes in here, he he pushes, he works hard. He shows young guys how to work. And he's respected in the locker room because he's looked at a guy as a guy who has been there. He's done it. He's been productive. He works hard. He's willing to help people. That is where the culture changes. And, you know, this organization, they were it was just a vast emptiness until moves were made, which really the major first major one was Jarvis Landry and what he contributed. You'll have people that are, will say that, you know, his stats aren't worthy of the money he makes. And it's going back to the same thing we talked about. Football is a people business. And sometimes yeah. you do things that you don't necessarily just look at everything as black and white dollars and cents. This right. guy contributes and brings something that's important to this organization.
1: It's something more deeper than just being able to bring the dollars in and playing. You know, those are called what? Paycheck players, I believe. Yep. And when you bring a personality, like Jarvis into it and Nick Chubb for that matter who just shows up, you know, grinds, goes home, studies, comes back, does the same thing over again. Look what we've got. We've got him and Jarvis as leaders in that locker room. We've got Baker who's another leader. These people are not only earning the paycheck that they have, but you could tell that one doesn't matter. They're there for the W. They are there for the W. Yeah, it's good to have that paycheck, but it's it's like – how do you say it? It's um, no flash and I'll go. You know, they're proving themselves. And people in this fan base need to realize that. They're busting their asses for us to make us – or to have us get a win. And I think this year that they're going to do it.
3: Yeah, I want to like, tell no. you that that is really good because that's exactly what it is. And when you're looking at an organization or a team or a player specifically – that's the kind of trait that you want to see. And and what people miss here is that you have guys in a locker room, like, say, Jarvis, and, a, and an OBJ who's really, he's a misunderstood guy. He's looked at so much as being diva-ish. And, yeah, he's mm-hmm. got some, some traits to him. But you know yeah. something? These guys want to win. I mean, they want to win. For themselves they want to win for the guy in the locker room next to them and they want to win for the guy who's walking down the street in cleveland because the the fan base has just wrapped their arms around these guys and they feel it they want to be the guys that are there when this thing happens so it's it's personal it's not just playing football there's some personal aspects to this thing that makes what's going on in cleveland right now special
0: yeah, I, I agree with, with both you guys. And the thing is, I mean, money is starting to make a difference on this team, okay? But up until now, you know, last season, how much money Jarvis and OBJ were making really didn't matter because it didn't affect the players that were on the team.
1: It really doesn't matter now either if you think about it. And if you watch what has gone on on that field, yeah, we have, you know— players that make the dollar but they weren't interested in you know what their what was going in their bank account they were interested what was happening on that field and it showed
3: Yeah, what it comes down to is that dollars and cents right now in 2021 aren't really the factor they're they're in a good position with the salary cap
2: yeah Um, they're in a good
3: position with these guys sitting here you know it's going to come down to what happens in 2021 are jarvis and obj and some other guys are they still viable productive important factors and what the Browns are going to do going forward. And the only way we're going to find that out is seeing what this team does in the 2021 season.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, We're going to get back to talking a little salary cap a a little bit later, but I want to talk about the draft. that just happened. And I want, I want to get your thoughts lane on um, uh, most specifically on just, just how the draft went for the Browns and, you know, maybe who, um, You know, who you had your eye on, um, how you think the Browns did, and so forth, uh, you know, uh, with uh, the positions that they addressed and that. So, um, I mean, the first two picks, you know, on defense, I think pretty much everybody thought the Browns were going to go defensive heavy in this draft. Um, Mm -hmm. You you know, unless something really went strange and there were just some great offensive players that that fell to them, um, you know, it was kind of a no brainer that they were going to. Good defense, probably, at probably with her first two picks. So, what would you think about the, the picks of Greg Newsom and uh and uh JOK? Those two picks,
3: you know, it, the first two picks were two players that we talked extensively at, at the OBR. It was it was an endless thing here for the last month with Greg Newsom and JOK. You're looking at a a team that needed an outside corner, a team that could use a player of the athleticism that could line up anywhere in JOK, and just it was amazingly that they came out of this thing with both players that they identified as legitimate targets for them, and they didn't have to really uh, expend themselves with draft capital to get it done. They were sitting on the board there at 26, and they were watching corners come off, and you know there was there was concern about getting their hands on one of them and they really liked Newsom, and they had discussions about moving up a little bit into the early 20s if they needed to. But the uh, Andrew Berry held his ground and it, it worked just the way players just started coming off. Uh, then when you get to the second round with JOK, you know, the, the medical supposed issue was out there that really isn't an issue. And <laughs> the Browns, the Browns fully investigated Not and, issue. and, and they, there was no concern <laughs> there, but. You know, the impressive thing with all this is that the Browns sat there and they just watched. They had the intel, they knew he was going to drop. It was just a point of how far he was going to go because teams were going to be afraid because not everybody was willing to, you know, make that little jump to grab a guy who has a perceived issue, which has never been an issue. Uh, so they started moving there. They, they had some concerns when they're getting in the 40s with JOK because there was a couple teams there that was. It was a little shifty and things could happen. Once they got past a couple of them, they felt they were in good shape. The team that they were really worried about was the Pittsburgh Steelers. Ugh. They felt they had to get ahead of Pittsburgh <laughs> to get this guy.
1: We're ahead of Pittsburgh in many ways, but that's <laughs> another story. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, cut up. oh, no, keep talking. It was good. No. Uh, <laughs> um, I'm, I'm oh, wait, sure I can... can't get suspended from Skype. Okay, I'm good.
3: <laughs> I'm, I'm sure we can get into more of that here. Um <laughs> But they had to get ahead of Pittsburgh, and that's what they did. They made the move, and it really wasn't costly for them to do this.
2: They ended up getting
3: they ended up getting two guys that they deem as legitimate top half area players, and they got them at twenty six and fifty two. That just doesn't happen, and that.
1: Well, my question would be, is it, why didn't people believe the process that was, didn't they like, don't they trust AB enough to understand and coach to understand that these guys actually know what they're doing?
3: Well, that's the thing because when you, you can get on social media and you can see that there's 17,000 basement GMs and everybody just talks (laughs) a bunch of everything, you know, I mean, I'm I'm, I'm sorry to put it that way, but that's just, that's just the way it is.
1: Just dropping
2: facts. Uh, yeah, I mean,
3: <laughs> I mean no, there's not many people that really fully grasp what the entire role is on what they do and how it gets done. So, you know, a lot of people speculate on this, this and this from what they see. And some of these guys do a really great job. Some of them, they just missed the boat. But getting back to what the Browns did and what Andrew Barry did and his staff, that, you know, the most impressive thing was is the patience. They identified yeah. players. It was the patience to make this happen. Because there's not a lot of people that would have sat there and let this thing come to them to the the depth that it did. It was difficult to sit there and just wait at 26 because anything can happen. And they waited it out. Even more impressive is what they did, you know, going from 59 to 52, knowing that a legitimate first round talent has slipped to them at 52. Some of that comes into... The issue, or the supposed issue, some of it comes into a lot of people look at JOK as more of a specialty guy. He has to be fit a scheme. But for Cleveland, he's the absolute perfect fit. So nothing else matters. You got the ultimate talent in a position which is the ultimate fit. It it doesn't get any better for what the Browns were looking to do. And, you know, they capitalize, and it's a home run. There's a reason why that everybody says this is an A-plus draft. It is. You got talent.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It it just it seems like Andrew Berry just has an uncanny ability to to know when these guys, you know, to know how far they're going to go, how far they're going to drop, when they're going to be available. I mean, it, it seems like he did the same thing last year with with Grant Delpit. I think he yeah. traded back a few spots, and Delpit was still there. And everybody's like, "What are you doing? You're trading back? Just take him, take him!" You know, it's all about it's all about the the evaluation, the preparation.
3: I mean, if, if you if you can evaluate and you work your ass off and you prepare, you have the opportunity to do things like the Browns did last week. And it's, it was a, another really big hit for the Cleveland Browns.
0: Yeah. So, uh, how about, how about Anthony Schwartz, the, uh, the, uh, super fast wide receiver that, that, uh, you know, could run in the Olympics and all that kind of stuff. So, um, I mean it seems to me that the guy is more than just a just a speed guy. I mean he he actually put up some numbers in a in an offense that that really doesn't throw the ball a lot. So, um
1: He was the wide receiver that we drafted, right? Yep.
0: Yeah. Yes. Third, third okay. round Auburn.
1: Okay. okay.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: He's
3: like
2: uh, what,
1: 185 or something like that. So, he's like lean and mean. So, it's a matter of if does he have the hands? You <laughs> know, cuz and and if he can play the routes that coach yep. comes up with. That's the key. Yeah.
3: I mean, that's that's a true statement. I mean, that's what it comes down to. If, if you look everything Anthony Schwartz, you see a guy who, he's a burner. He's a 4 5 guy. I mean, he's got yeah. world-class sprinter speed. Not, not football speed. He's got sprinter speed. Yeah. Uh, you know, you, you look at an offense like the Browns that is relatively speed deficient without OBJ on the field. And while you believe he's going to come back and everything's going to be all peachy and, obj is going to look like obj you you have no guarantee that that's going to happen or if it's going to happen coming out of the gate at some point it will happen but the thing that makes it more impressive is that a guy like anthony schwartz takes the top off of a defense which will help the cleveland browns with the underneath stuff that jarvis landry does austin hooper does it's going to open up that underneath inside of the field for them to be more effective in that area which they struggled with a year ago, and it's going to help your quarterback. Your, your quarterback had to be uncanny accurate a season ago, throwing in tight windows to get things done. Speed, speed kills. Speed is the greatest equalizer. Uh, not the thing with Schwartz is that he, he has to improve his route running. Yeah, you know he's he's got it. He's got to become more consistent with his hands, but. You're not looking at a guy that's going to be lined up out there 50 plays a game. You may say him 15 plays a game, but you know what's going to happen in them 15 games. It's going to take pressure, and it's going to roll coverage away from maybe an OBJ or a Rashad Higgins or a mm-hmm. Donovan Peoples-Jones. It's going to help everybody because you have to account for this guy. And, hey, you know, you got a guy that's running 4-2-5. He's going to beat most corners getting off because he is elusive getting off the line. You're going to have to account for him, and it's just going to open up the field for the Browns.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it's gonna be that's a fun lot. Just to, <laughs> that's a just lot to take Just in. <laughs> to see a guy out there that fast, uh, you know, in a Browns uniform. I mean, we've had fast guys before, but um, probably I mean, not quite as fast. Do
1: you think, Lane? Do you think that he would have to like rein his speed in a little bit so that the route that coach comes up with is gonna be able to not only accommodate the team but him as a player?
3: Uh, no, actually, I think it's gonna be full go. They're gonna use him. You know, there's going to be a lot of goes that you're going to see with this oh. offense because they're going so to they're have, gonna, have him run.
2: Yeah, they're, they're going to let him off, the leash. Yes. Yeah, you, him mean, off the leash. Yeah,
3: you, I mean, when you got a horse, you let him run. Absolutely. That, <laughs> you know, that's what you got. And what, <laughs> okay. You know, you're going to see, you're going to see this guy on jet sweeps. I mean, all kind of things. If, yeah. if you want to think about it, just think about a guy in Kansas City who does all kind of things.
2: Uh-huh.
3: I think he's number 10. Yeah. Um. You know, think that's about better. that. Think <laughs> about that because... This is the type of individual, the type of speed that this guy has. He's faster. Now, oh. just get the football skills tightened up. Yeah. And what you have is something that could be special in the entire picture of what the Browns offense is.
0: Do you, re- do you remember with uh, Bernie Kosar and uh, Ice Cube McNeil that they, that, um, yeah. they had a bet? that Bernie couldn't overthrow him yeah <laughs> yeah wonder they these guys could have that same kind of bet but I mean yeah. Baker's got a heck of an arm too believe me I've heard stories <laughs> <laughs> so yeah um it, it's I think it's gonna be fun it's gonna be yeah. fun seeing him out there one
3: time um, that, one time that it almost didn't happen where Bernie couldn't overthrow him was a game against Houston when he threw a bob in the ice cube and he almost uh, he almost underthrew him on this thing on this long touchdown pass, I, I forget what year it was now, but it was funny you brought that up because that just clicked in my mind thinking about this, just this ball, just just the weirdest dropping pass that floated in the McNeil's hands. And it was close. He almost underthrew him. Yeah. <laughs> that would have been a tragedy for
0: his pocketbook. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so um, James Hudson uh, seems to seems to be uh a pick that not everybody agrees on and i'll I'll be honest with you if if he's good enough for andrew berry he's good enough for me um you know i i i talked to some people that liked him. so um what's your thoughts on him well you have
3: to you have to really know about a player or what makes him tick or what he does before you anybody should be agreeing or disagreeing about what he is oh sure yeah okay hudson yeah he's a former defensive lineman he's uh he plays with that type of aggression. He's he's physical. He he has that that mindset where he just wants to get into you. He has good feet. He's clubbing hands. He uh, he can get like, himself over his body a little bit and get himself out of position, which causes us some problems. Uh, but you know the story it comes down to is you've got one of the two best offensive line coaches in football, and Bill Callahan. Yeah. Yeah. A, a year ago. When everybody was worried about the right guard position, you know Callahan said that
2: mm-hmm.
3: you know I got Wyatt Teller and I've got yeah. Drew Forbes here, and one of these guys are going to be all right and win this job. Well, you know we, <laughs> we kind of know, worked we, out. We get through twenty twenty and find you know ultimately Wyatt Teller's arguably had the best season of any lineman in hero. Cleveland. <laughs> yeah, you know so you, you you trust Bill Callahan and when Bill Callahan puts his seal of approval on a guy, you go with it. You know, yeah. people look at look at Hudson and they say, well, he's overdrafted. He's this, this, and this. Well, you know, he's anywhere from the 7th to 10th offensive tackle rated in the draft. Depends on, you know, how you want to look at it or who you want to listen to. And you know, They didn't the use lady,
0: a second-rounder on him. I mean, geez. Right.
3: You're, you're talking about a fourth-round pick. You know, this is going to be a guy who is believed that can be a swing tackle. I saw a little bit of film on him playing right tackle, and I thought he looked better at right tackle than I did at left tackle. And I didn't have a problem with the left tackle.
1: He's what, um, 6'4", 6'5", 300 pounds or something yeah, like that?
3: He's a, he's a, he's a big guy. Yeah. Uh, and there's you know, there's some thought that he can play inside if, if, at some point if they can get there. So it, I, I look at that as you draft talent.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, you go for guys that you feel fit your scheme. And see, I'm a believer, in, and this is what they do. It's, it's now and later. You draft guys for the now, you draft guys for the later.
2: Mm-hmm. In
3: the case right. of Hudson... You you use the fourth round pick on him, so you know the odds of him sticking are good. But you also know that this is a guy who's going to be for the later. That's where people get lost in this draft process because they think if you if you draft X Y Z and you know every other letter in between that that they're expected to come in here and do something right away, or or they're a bust. Yeah, especially with a team as deep as the Browns, it, it's now and later. Some guys are going to help you immediately. Some guys are just going to play a role, and some guys are going to help you down the road here in a year or so if you have to move on somebody due to contract or production or you know whatever. So he's a later guy, and I'm I don't have no issue with that selection.
0: And that's that's the thing we're we're talking you know salary cap and and uh, you know the the financial part of this game. When you draft guys in the fourth, fifth, sixth round who make the team and you get them on these four-year contracts, it, and if they can become starters or contributors you know, for, for that period of time and stick with your team where you're not signing free agent guys uh, to take those spots, man. You're saving yourself a heck of a lot of money, too, that you can use on other guys that you know to keep guys.
3: Right. I mean, the easiest way to manage your cap is to draft well. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's what it comes down to, because then you got a player under control for four years. You know, if your first round pick it's five years that you're you're getting at really ultimately what's going to become a discount in those years as it goes forward. And, and you know, instead of having to sign a free agent that you're going to pay, you know, sometimes 10 times the cost for So, it's it's a no brainer. You you have to draft well if you want to maintain cap integrity and go forward. And this is a team that likes to have that money in the bank. So, it's going to be interesting to see what happens as they go forward. Yeah,
0: because I mean, these guys in the fourth and fifth round, I mean, four years from now, they'll be making like a million. Right. You know,
3: I I mean, just it's just no comparison, though, what a guy who's coming into the league compared to a guy who's been out there and he's come off his first contract and he's in the second contract and you got to pay it. It's just. I mean, the difference is it's it's crazy money. So you you come down to it. You draft well. You have a chance to be successful, you know, with the cap, which gives you flexibility to do other
0: things. That's right. So let's talk (laughs) a little DT. Tommy, Toe, yeah, um, the Browns draft him with their their second fourth rounder. That was actually their third fourth rounder originally, wasn't it? Right. Yeah. Uh, But, yeah. It was it turned out to be their second, so they draft him, uh, but they've also signed uh, Malik McDowell, uh-huh. uh, Damian Square, and you know who knows if uh, Sheldon Richardson's going to come back or not. They, they've got a lot of defensive tackles that they're that they're looking at or are on the roster. So um, just kind of one, I guess we can kind of group some of those guys together. Lane, if you want to talk about any of them other than other than the draft pick, but um, do you think they see? Do you think they see this as? I can't imagine they really feel like uh, DT is a, a weakness. They're just looking at any chance they they have to maybe upgrade, or or what do you think? Well,
3: think about it this way: you know, a season ago, the interior defensive line did not play well. I mean, people love Sheldon Richardson. Sheldon Richardson's a good guy. Sheldon Richardson didn't have all that great of a year. Um, you can look at. Larry Ogunjobi, he did not play well. Interior Browns no. defensive line did not perform at an adequate level, at a, at a level for a team who has high aspirations. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's huge that Andrew Billings is coming back because Andrew Billings is a significant guy inside there, strong, holds the yeah. point well. Huge deal. I mean, same with Malik Jackson. Has, you know, getting towards the end. He's 31. He can still play this game. He can penetrate a bit. Tough guy, physical. Has that he has that mentality that you you sort of like that. You don't want a bunch of choir boys on the field. Yeah. Um, (laughs) And it's you know it's just it's one of those things. You 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 have to have mental and physical toughness. So, but the thing is, is that both those guys are on one-year deals. Right. It's twenty twenty-one, and you know that's it unless you resign them or do something else. So you had to do something to. You know, stock yourself up for the future going forward. And what they did is that they've pretty much signed every defensive tackle known to man to give <laughs> and drafted to give yourself the opportunity to have these guys here for the next handful of months and work them and, and see what they have and see what the the evaluation is going forward. Except uh, except for what you already know about them from on tape. I mean, you look at Tommy T from Ohio State, who in the second half of the of the season for what it was for the Buckeyes. You know, you could say was arguably their best defensive player, him and Justin Hilliard. They were, mm-hmm. and just He was outstanding. This guy just, the lights turned on. And, man, watch out because he's, he's just physically strong. And if he can beat you with the first step, you're not moving him. He's going to hold the point. So that's yeah. what it's going to come down to. It's going to come down to coaching him, you know, using leverage to keep his pad level low, getting down. But I, I'm impressed with a guy like that because I, I can see something big happening with him. You can go to a Malik McDowell and people will say, well, how are you sign this guy? You know, he's 24, hasn't played football in the NFL ever. He's had all kinds of problems, been in trouble. So what's the point? Well, the point is, is that the Cleveland Browns like to look at guys who have not succeeded for whatever reason that are high draft choices, first and second round guys, uh-huh. the talents there. There's a reason why these guys were evaluated to go that high in the draft. So what happened to it? Why didn't it work? What made them tick? They did the research. It's, it's been three months on Malik McDowell working to find out exactly everything they could about him and find out where he is. You know, it's an interesting thing. If this guy is in the mindset, has matured, and is ready to contribute and give himself an opportunity to fulfill his dream, then you have a chance that you may have hit a home run because you're talking about a high-quality talent mm-hmm. that hasn't panned out for various personal type reasons, you know, and it's, it's a short leash. I mean, the guy's going to come in. I mean, he does something that they really don't like. It it doesn't cost you anything. He won't be here long. So, you you know, you look at that, you you know, they, they go and they sign a defensive tackle someday at San Diego, who doesn't miss time. He's in uniform and plays every week. Mm -hmm. You need those type of guys. You need those guys that have been around you know, who are productive. He's not going to be a world beater. He's not going to light anything up, but he's going to give you a sound solid performance in a rotational system week in and week out. And you need those type of guys.
0: Yeah. And I I forgot about Marvin Wilson, the, uh, the UDFA that they signed. Um, Well, I was hoping you were going to bring him up because
3: Marvin Wilson can be the home run of the entire thing.
0: Yeah. Uh, Everybody's excited about him. And I know the Browns signed him, gave him some guaranteed money. And that's, Explain to me why he didn't get drafted, Lane.
3: Well, there, there was some speculation with some uh, toot problems and him not being happy and, you know, just the situation of Florida State was garbage.
2: Okay,
3: um, He played heavier, which didn't work for him. Uh, you're looking at a guy's talent. This guy has talent you have to get out of them. It's going to be the same thing like attack McKinley, what they just, you know, signed in free agency from Atlanta, the talents there, you it's time to bring it out. It's time to see these guys mature and, and do their thing. Marvin Wilson is a guy who can, if he is right, is going to make noise. It's going to be interesting to see that if he's mature enough to handle it, because that's what we're
0: going to get to come this summer. Well, it's, it's, it sounds like it's going to be a dogfight at DT. <laughs> no, no pun intended. Oh, no pun with totally B-A-W-G. intended. <laughs> it's it's a it's a no lose situation. Oh yeah. You
3: know, you know you need bodies. You know you need depth. You know you're not happy with you know what transpired a year ago, but you made it work and you got by. So the best way to do it is that you just amass talent and you let them fight it out because competition brings the best out of a person, and ultimately that means that. It's the benefit of the Cleveland Browns,
0: so do you feel do you feel like this team and, and making this team is, is strictly an open competition amongst yeah. all the guys on the roster now, or are there guys who, based on their performance in the past are kind of marked guys that you know they have to perform a lot better than other guys in order to keep their spot
2: well
3: you look at any roster especially a good roster that's deep you, you have guys that you know are going to be they're going to be on the roster it's just no brainers but you're going to look at you're going to look at a roster and you're going to say well you know there may be 10 or 12 spots that are you know truly can be swayed one way or the other and you have to go into camp and you have you have to address it that way you have to look at it that way because if you're just handing out jobs then there's no point just give up because you're going to end up losing in the long run you mm-hmm. have to you have to compete to get the best out of people you know some some players are not going to have to go through that process because they're the proven guys it's those guys at the bottom of the roster or who are battling for those end positions and position groups that want to have something to prove have the opportunity to do it and it it just makes everything better it may, it brings guys closer together i mean some people think about it and say oh they're competing for the job, same job these guys there's no way in hell they can handle each other or like each other Nah, it's quite the opposite i mean actually you see guys gravitate gravitate towards each other you know while they're busting each other's ass every day out there in the 85 degree weather in Berea, ohio so it's you know let these guys just ball out beat the hell out of each other and the last man standing is you know the best thing you can have happen
1: Way it used to be done the way it should be done now yeah
3: i mean it's just what it is i mean i i go back to the time where you had two a days and you were endlessly beating the hell out of each other it's not like now it's an entirely different world it's that's whole different yeah. you know so it's, i i when i hear somebody complain about you know how hot it is how hard we have to work i'm like man you couldn't have freaking lived you know a, a couple decades earlier because you you have been out there working and selling hot dogs somewhere because this is an all new world man <laughs>
1: they'd be crying about a hang now
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah that's true well could.
3: there have been guys who've had the most minor things like that complain and not practice because of it so yeah
0: mm. <laughs> so let me just kind of lump the last three guys together and just kind of get your your thoughts on who you like the best or you know or um you know if if you think these guys will all stick or, or whatnot, that's uh, Tony Fields, a second the linebacker, uh, Richard LeCount, safety, and Demetric Felton, who's listed as a wide receiver, but he played a lot of running back too. So he's kind of a, I don't know. I kind of see him as like a gadget guy. So um, I'll let you I'll let you kind of give your thoughts on those three guys. Tony Fields can ball. he's th-
3: this. This is a guy who he's putting on a little bit of weight. He's closer to two thirty now. But if you watch this guy and how he plays the game, he's he's physical. He's he's aggressive. He's cerebral, and he can run. You would think that if you look at a fifth round pick and you say, "Ah, oh, he's just a fifth round pick." There ain't much to him. But then when you start really looking at him, you wonder how he was sitting in the fifth round. It's uh, I mean I'm puzzled. I I. I spent a lot of time watching this guy over the last few days just just because I was just intrigued and I have a hard time seeing how he doesn't make it here because the worst-case scenario is that he's going to be a guy in special teams that replaces some talent that's lost
2: mm-hmm. and he's
3: going to be that type of guy who's going to he's going to lay a helmet on you. He don't give a shit. He's going to hit you.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, <laughs> you know, so and you want those type of guys especially if they're just going to be a special team guy in 2021. Yeah. You, you you need that. You need guys who are just going to lay the wood to you, man, and not care. And that's one of those guys. You know? And then you get to the safety out of Georgia LeCount. count. he's... Yeah. His <laughs> tape, watching him play, doesn't tell the story on where he's drafted. He's a better talent than that. Too many people got wrapped up in all this, this pre-draft testing, which he was mm-hmm. terrible. He was garbage. He uh, ran horrible. He tested horrible. He, he, One of those guys that you would just say, okay, you can carry the water bucket because you're not going to play. Then you find out that, you know, the guy was on a bike and got hit. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Dude, he got trashed. Mm. And he was really hurt. He was injured. And when he was testing and he ran, he was still suffering from that. So, you know, he ran 4-8. This guy can't run. Shit, he sucks. Well, you know, guess what? He's healthy now. It's going to be interesting to see what happens. And this, this goes to the credit of what the Browns do. They investigate and just go and go and go. And they look back and they say, well, previous numbers tell us this. Previous tape tells us this. There's a reason why this guy was recruited to many major universities when he went into college. You know. He was he was recruited by the Ohio States in the Georgias, you know, universities like that that don't really blow time on guys who don't have talent. And he played, yeah. he played he played well in Georgia. He's not great. He's not garbage, but he's a guy that can play. He's a guy that he fits in that later category for them. A guy mm-hmm. who maybe ends up getting stashed on the practice squad. We don't know. We mm-hmm. do know that they, you know, there's some question marks in the defensive backfield at the safety position for this team. So, you don't know, this guy could come in here and, you know, healthy and show what he's made of and give himself an opportunity and make a name for himself because the opportunity is there. It's just going to come down to what he does because you got a coaching staff that's pretty open on wanting to see guys play and perform and work and be you know, solid with these guys and just tell them where they are. So I'm I'm curious to see what happens.
0: Yeah. um, Dimitri Fulton. um, Mm -hmm. I don't know who he's competing with. Um, I I guess he's just competing for a spot on the, on the 53. Uh, You know, if he does enough, they'll, they'll find a spot for him, I guess. Wow. Look at Um, him this way. The guy, the guys are running back.
3: The guy's a receiver. They're calling him a running back, and you're probably if, if he's on the field, you're gonna probably see him more in the return game. And as a receiver, as you're gonna see him in the backfield. He he's one of those guys that can do he's a multifaceted type of person who can do a few things that can replace you know, two people <laughs> when you get down to it. It's just gonna come down to it, does he have that opportunity? Because they've yeah. well, they look at the talent that's in Cleveland in the backfield with you know, Chubb Hunt and You know, the unsung Dearness Johnson, who I think is a a fantastic talent too, but he just hasn't had the opportunity because of what's in front of him. You know, interesting. This is a guy who can, he can go out to the slot and play in the slot and create mismatches because he's, he's that type of guy. He's shifty. You know, he's got some shake and bake to him. He can, he can get physical. He can be aggressive. You know, he's got a chance. You you don't know what's going to happen in the return game. You don't know what they're going to do with Jojo Natson. Mm-hmm. You don't know how healthy he's going to be when you get an Anthony Schwartz. You, you sort of take out some of that speed aspect that you were looking at or needing from a Natson. So it, it comes down to the point that they like their draft choices and they tend to keep their own before somebody else that they bring in. So it's going to be interesting to see what this guy does in camp
0: to give himself the opportunity to earn a role. Yeah, getting down to that 53 is going to be, uh, going to be very interesting.
2: I'm sure there's going to be a
0: lot of talk between now and that time on podcast in order to try to figure it out, but that's way too soon for that. But, uh, but, but yeah, um, let's see. Uh, I think we've, I think we've covered the draft enough. Let's, let's move on to some, some other stuff here. Um, I wanted to, uh, gosh, I don't know if we should bring this up yet or not, but, uh, Ah, just lay it out there doesn't let's lay it out all right Aaron Rodgers for Baker Mayfield oh god 75 first round draft picks or whatever it is or whatever people want um let's throw this
3: one to Rachel I want to hear this okay yeah I
0: want to hear this go ahead Rachel all
1: right look oh my god this is insane (laughs) this kind of talk is driving me absolutely insane And I was crazy before, but I'm so sick of hearing about this now. It's been, what, two weeks or something like that that this crap has been going on? (laughs) I was looking on Twitter earlier, and I was seeing all this talk about, you know, oh, we could get Aaron Rodgers, you know, Super Bowl champion, blah, blah, blah. You know, no. No. Okay? Stop. Just stop the insanity. And I found a tweet that I really liked, and I'm going to read it. It's from a lot of, I think a lot of us follow him. It's Nick Carnes, and he said in a tweet, Aaron Rodgers wasn't the one embracing Cleveland at the worst. Aaron Rodgers wasn't the one that ended the 10-year QB search. Aaron Rodgers wasn't the one who cried when the Browns broke an 18-year playoff drought because he understood what it meant. Baker Mayfield was And you know what he's absolutely fucking right Okay (laughs) Now listen Ah, Now listen Aaron Rodgers wasn't the one That put Big Ben on a bench And made the little bitch cry Okay (laughs) Aaron Rodgers wasn't the one That beat the Steelers Twice In a row And won in a playoff game Okay I'm tired of that talk. It needs to stop. Go take your blankets and your binkies and go to bed. I'm done. Hey, Rachel. What?
3: How do you really feel?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if I had the time, you know, I would really tell you. But, I mean, the talk is ridiculous. We finally have our franchise QB. Now, am I saying that we couldn't use, like, a backup because, God forbid, something happened? No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying Baker Mayfield is the one that said he was born to play in Cleveland. This man was born to be here, and I am fully convinced of it. When he first started playing, I wasn't sure because I knew the hype behind it. And I'm not a big person for hype except, you know, when I got caught up in it when Freddie Kitchens was coach. But I'm telling you. This trade talk or whatever for thirty chickens and, and, and a squash or something. I don't even know what it is. But it needs to stop. It's ridiculous. Baker Mayfield is our QB and people need to get the hell over it.
0: And people don't even take the salary, you know, the salary difference into consideration either.
1: No, because We're, they're
0: stupid. We don't want to take take on Aaron Rodgers' salary right now. It would yeah, it would it would pretty much mess up the Browns uh, salary gap. Thirty chickens in a squash. Yeah, yeah. And I saw that I saw that tweet, Rachel. I actually I was I read an article and I saw Nick's tweet in an article, yeah. so I so I sent it to him. I sent him the article. He didn't he didn't know it was in the article, so he thought that was pretty cool. Yeah,
3: hey, I'll give you the counterpoint to all that now. League okay. MVP. And arguably the best quarterback that's been seen in this generation. A guy who has done it all, seen it all, won at the highest level. Quarterback who's won with less than he has with more. What do you do if you feel that this is a type of guy who could give you the greatest opportunity to win?
1: We're talking about Aaron Rodgers?
3: Right. Now Now I'm going to, after oh. a, after I just stated what our known facts, Yeah, I'll also say that I wouldn't entertain trading Baker Mayfield for Aaron Rodgers because this right here shows you and typifies what Aaron Rodgers has been behind the scenes quite often as well, that he can be malcontent if things aren't the way he wants them to be. And yeah, there's been problems Mm -hmm. in Green Bay with his general manager and he doesn't like him and they haven't given him the things he needs. But you get right down to the bottom line as you're talking about a 38-year-old quarterback and you don't know what's going to happen. You're looking at Baker Mayfield, who's in the 25-26 area and still has his future ahead of him, a guy who's embraced here, a guy who showed great and tremendous growth and development over the second half of a season, who's respected within his locker room and within his organization. I don't see how you entertain that. Even if I only got to give up 30 chickens in a squash, it, it doesn't work. <laughs>
2: <laughs> I mean, it
1: just doesn't make any sense to me because even if you think about all that, You know, you've got to wonder is, do you want the person that's going to carry us for, you know, like, and I, and I don't like the man, but like Tom Brady, you know, Mm -hmm. play 20 years for a team as a quarterback and have umpteen Super Bowl victories, or do you want someone who could, you know, injure himself in the next play at, at 38? Not that that's old, but at 38 as a quarterback, yeah, he's been there, done that, but We want someone who's going to carry us into the future and be the quote-unquote next Tom Brady. But we got the Baker Mayfield. There's a difference. He's got more swagger, he's got more grit, and he's got more balls. I'm sorry, he does.
3: (laughs) (laughs) All I can say is that from doing this for an eternity, one of the first things that I was – taught and it was pounded in my head is that when you're talking football and you make football decisions that you take the you remove the emotion from the equation
2: yes uh-huh.
3: you remove yeah. the you, you remove the emotion of the player and you just look at what said player is what he does what he can do what he can contribute what the upside is what the downside is and what this where your ceiling lands and that's how you have to look It's unfortunate because yes we're all browns fans but you have to look at it on what a player can do for you now what the ceiling is and what the future is and that's see that's where i get in a little bit of trouble with this thing because i i tend to sometimes lean personal and i always got to step back and say i got to take that shit out of the equation because that's not how this works and i mean if we were talking about a 30 year old aaron Rodgers. It'd be a different story, but we're talking about a 38 year old Aaron Rodgers with, you know, some, you know, those little baggage things. Everybody has baggage. We all know that, but it's just, it's the entire thing of the makeup and it's, it's hard to swallow the pill saying that, yeah, I would do this for this guy because you you can't, I can't see him taking that, that reach for a guy who's 13 years older and you just don't know what's going to end up happening with him, you know, a year or two down the line. Plus, I, I don't know if I want that type of guy just surrounding my locker room. Just that's what I
1: was thinking. And and it's the, it's, it's like, we just got rid of that kind of attitude, you know, that, that, uh, flashy attitude in the locker room, you know, even with OBJ, he's toned it down too, which, you know, is amazing to me. And that's how, you know, the culture started to change is when people realized we don't need this flash and go stuff. We just need to, You know, one game at a time. We don't need the fancy shoes. We don't need, you know, the wristwatches and all this other stuff. And we don't need bad attitudes in the locker room. Who the hell wants a nasty guy that's going to bitch and complain about something, you know, because his jersey got hung up wrong in his locker? You know, I mean, (laughs) nobody, nobody, you know, because that's just a whiny ass. that's just going to sit on the bench and say, you know, oh, God, you know, they didn't bring me the right cookies or whatever, you know, and I'm sorry. I'm tired of hearing that crap. You know about that locker room because I want this team to win with who we have now and I believe with everything I am in, in me that Baker Mayfield is going to do it now I very well could be wrong and I could be eating crow you know at the end of the season but you know what I don't care I have faith in this team finally in 20 years and I think Baker Mayfield is the key
3: you know it's it just comes down to the thing. If you, look, if you look at what a guy does between the, the white lines, you can't argue and deny what Aaron Rodgers is. And we get right back to the same thing we talked about earlier. Football football is still a people business. Yep. And that that's the aspect that would scare me more than anything and why I wouldn't even venture into considering anything like that. I believe that you have a guy that's under center here that can be very good. He's proven that he can be. He just has to continue on that same path. And if he continues doing what he did a season ago in the second half, the Browns have no concerns about number six.
0: I, I agree. I agree. And it, it's interesting because eight about 18 months ago on this podcast, I had Peter Jones on this podcast. He was a, he's a Packers guy, but he's kind of a football historian too. Mm-hmm. And... I proposed the idea of this this would have been at the end of Baker's rookie season. I said, would would the Packers entertain a trade of Baker for Aaron Rodgers at that point? Because of Baker, Baker had a great rookie season. He was thought very highly, a number one overall pick. And he had four, you know, four years left on his rookie rookie deal with, you know, with the option here. And Aaron mm-hmm. Rodgers is making a ton of money. Right. Uh, the Packers are always hurting for money. Um, you know, again uh, with the cap and uh, the Browns had, I think, a ton of space back then. So, um, and it took him a long time to kind of think through that. I don't even know what he came up with. I think he said it was just kind of interesting, <laughs> more or less. Yeah. But. It's interesting that it's come up again. That's all.
1: Well, I don't like cheese anyways, so it doesn't matter.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but, um, well, I was going to ask you if you had a rant, uh, Rachel, but I think you just did. So. Oh,
1: I have plenty more if you, I mean, but we don't have enough time.
0: <laughs> that's hard. Yeah, just, yeah set, her, set her up. Just let her roll. No, of-
1: don't you <laughs> dare. <laughs> you know which one you're talking about, too. Don't you dare. <laughs>
0: Let her roll. No. <laughs> so, guys, I want to ask you about something. During during the draft, there was a time when, um, I, was it uh, Jarvis? Jarvis was it Jarvis Landry that came up with uh, with Bernie and yes. Joe Thomas? Yes,
2: yes. it was. Uh,
0: all three of them came up on stage, and the mm-hmm. crowd went wild. And the crowd stout starts chanting Bernie. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yes. Everybody loves Bernie Kosar. I love Bernie Kosar. I've got a picture of Bernie Kosar hanging right above me right now. Okay. But Joe Thomas is Joe Thomas.
1: Yeah. First ballot
0: Hall of Famer. One of the greatest of all time. He's, I mean, he's national now. He's huge. Um, or. I kind of felt bad for Joe Thomas at that point. You guys think that's wrong?
3: I don't think it's wrong, but I would say that when you look at Cleveland Browns football and the history of of what is accomplished here, you're looking at, you know, two different scenarios. Talk about Joe Thomas, who is one of the greatest left tackles to play the game, represents Cleveland well while he was a player and after being a player. And he represents them to this day. But then you look at Bernie Kozar, and, you know, number 19 was the guy from Boardman, Ohio, who manipulated the system to come to Cleveland and was under center to help bring this team back to the, you know, whatever glory that had been lost and the glory that really hasn't been seen here since it's, it's hard to take away history on what people feel about a player who who's gone out of his way and performed at a very high level to give you the most exciting time in in brown's history for a lot of people who remains influential and instrumental in the community as a big brown supporter and popping up everywhere and talking browns it's see
1: yes he does
3: i i guess i can say that i don't know you know i could be bias as well because you know in in real life Bernie and I are friends so it's you know it's one of those things uh but that's how I feel about it because that's how I see it I just
0: see him as that guy I love both those guys I mean you know um I just I I was just kind of wondering how you guys saw it that's all
1: for me it's it's when I saw them up on stage it 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 struck a lot of chords, you know, because that was one of the parts of the draft that I actually watched, you know, because I had faith in AB and what, you know, the team was doing. But when I saw Bernie go up there and when I saw Joe Thomas and when I saw Jarvis Landry, sorry, (laughs) it was the past, present and future all meeting in one space, you know, and they are... (sighs) Bernie is Bernie Kosar. I mean, there's no other, you know, there's no (laughs) other emotion I could put behind that. He is a legend in his own right, at least, Mm -hmm. you know, in Cleveland and in, you know, the NFL itself. But he's so beloved here that in my mind, you know, Bernie could do no wrong, you know. And then with Joe Thomas, he's not just a legend, but he's legendary. You know, he is one of the most loyal people to the Cleveland Browns and one of the most loyal players you would ever meet in your entire life. And, yeah, he's national, but he's a hometown boy. He's a Cleveland boy, you know, and there's no changing that. And with Jarvis, he helped change the culture of the current team. How do you get around that? You can't because it's the truth. It's what he did. It's literally the past, present, and future. And as for Joe Thomas, I wouldn't have felt bad. And I think Joe Thomas understood that they're each – that each and every one of them are up there and are legends in their own right. And if we can make the team that Jarvis is on right now, like a, not just a winning team, but a Super Bowl winning team, his legacy is going to be cemented in Cleveland forever. He's already, you know, a celebrity. Now we just need to make him legendary.
3: Yeah. Well we can we can put it as simple as this, and anybody who has any negative thoughts about Jarvis Landry or his role or his position in Cleveland and within this roster should have been came to rest when he was on that stage with those yes. two guys on how the Cleveland Browns perceive
0: Jarvis Landry. Yeah, that's for sure. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, Lane, I want to ask you about two guys, and then we're going to finish up with, with uh, I think, one last thing. Um, what what do you feel the future is with Nick Chubb and Wyatt Teller?
1: Mm. That's a good question.
0: I believe they're going to
3: ultimately decide that they're going to get something done with Nick Chubb. I think Nick Chubb isn't going to seek the last dollar that you see with some other guys, namely like a Derrick Henry or something like that, I think something's going to come down and it's going to happen. They, they could start talks at any time, you know, maybe even this summer when they have that dead period. I, I believe that Nick Chubb is the heart and soul of what they do on the offensive side of the ball, and I don't see anybody that's within this roster or out there that can take that type of role and the importance that he brings to the Cleveland Browns, and I think something's going to get done with him. Yeah. Uh, as far as Wyatt Teller's concerned I think that's going to end up being a troubling situation especially if he plays in 2021 as he did in 2020
2: Yeah,
3: it's his the, the contract that he can gain is going to be astronomical and you, you, you put that in line with an offensive line room that at that point then if they try to make that happen is going to be a very expensive room you'll end up possibly losing your center to help offset some of that. Uh, I think, I think the teller situation is going to be more telling than anything else, just because they have a bunch of talented guys waiting in the wings on the offensive line that they do like, and they think they can develop. I'm just not sure if they're going to, you know, be jumping up and down paying a, a guard well over double digits a year. I just, it's something I just don't see right now.
0: Yeah, I think, uh, I think having talked about that on the podcast here before, I think uh, that's a conclusion that some of us have come to: is that there's a good chance that he that he plays this year, and and the Browns kind of let him go. Um, yeah. You know, it, it I mean, almost makes sense.
3: Yeah, I mean, you just look at it and you see what happens. I mean, you can always you can always tag him if you need to. If you can't come to an yeah. agreement or you don't want to go there, so it's. We just got to see what happens in 2021. I think that's just going to be the position that's going to happen with a lot of these guys within the roster. We got to see what this team does because there's some guys that could, you know, realistically be gone the the next coming off season. If things don't work out right here. So, you know, you wait and see and you see what happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I thought I'd, I'd throw these, uh, names or groups out to, uh, out to both of you and just have you both give me a number for how confident you are going into the 2021 20, season in each of these uh, people or groups. And we'll just go a number of 1 to 10, with with 10 being total confidence. And we'll start with, with Kevin Stefanski. And we'll let Rachel go first, and Lane, you can follow uh
3: Yes, oh, we oh, are, because no. I was going to be on radio silence until I heard <laughs> her voice. <laughs>
1: uh, my confidence level in coach is probably a nine, because like he said, there's always room for improvement.
0: Same. Yeah, that's fair. How about Andrew Berry?
1: Nine.
3: AB's my dude, but I'll, I'll, I'm,
2: I'm good <laughs> with nine.
0: Nine's good. How about Baker Mayfield?
2: Uh,
1: I, I'd have to say eight. Because if if last season was a fluke, he really needs to show us this year that it wasn't.
3: I can go anywhere between seven to nine very easily. That's yeah, I, yeah. We, I'm I'm in a wait and see on Baker. Yeah. Not because of Baker himself, just everything else that surrounds exactly. the situation.
0: Yeah, I, I'm optimistic. I think he'll be. I think he'll do well, but yeah. Yeah, I think we need a, a little bit more time.
1: And so. that doesn't take away from what I said earlier about him. I still think he's our guy. It's just that we have to see how his chess pieces play.
0: Yep. Yeah. Yeah. How about uh, Odell Beckham Jr.? And we'll, we'll just say, is, assuming he's healthy heading into the season. I um, want to hear this one.
1: Are you, are you sure? Because it's a popular take.
0: I want to hear
3: it. Four. I know it's coming. The Four. Tell us why.
1: Oh, Jesus, Lane. Okay, so...
0: (laughs) It's got to be said.
1: Okay, I have to say it, and I'm going to put it out there, and I'm just going to leave it at that. I don't think that Baker Mayfield, just from what we've seen, and OBJ have the chemistry that we need on the field. I think he is going to struggle if he is a receiver for us uh, to try to force feed him the ball. And I think I've talked to Lane about this before. And I think that if he is put on the field, it might be a complaining situation again that he's not getting the ball enough, you know, or X, Y, Z or something else. I'm worried about his perceived diva attitude. And if there's other players out there that are going to be better for Baker to make shit happen, then I say take OBJ out. And put those other players in.
3: Now. I'll chime in and say that. Everything that Rachel just said. Can be taken as. Yes. All that's been an issue. Because we've seen. Questions about every aspect that. You just noted. Every one of them. Now. With that. You're seeing a guy is coming off a significant injury. Who. Who. Really missed it last year, being there, especially the run, that it has to have had some humbling effect on who he is and what his role is. You're looking at a guy who still wants to be known as one of the elite in this game. A guy who has the physical talent to still be that guy. Absolutely. Has a quarterback that has the tools to help him remain that guy. It comes down to how much has Baker Mayfield really developed with his confidence Mm
2: -hmm.
3: with his, with what it makes him up inside on saying, Hey, I'm the guy now, this is my team. I'm not going to feel pressured to just feed you the ball. These are all; Those are all the aspects that encompass this thing that comes down to Baker and OBJ. If Baker has taken that next step from a season ago and gotten past some of that pressure and can play this game without feeling that with just reckless abandon that he is, yeah. then Baker Mayfield is going to have an exceptional season obj will have an exceptional season we need to see if both of these guys have gotten past that little complexity that has engulfed what they are
1: obj's already famous baker doesn't need to do that for him
3: (laughs) no actually he does actually he does because now obj isn't looked at as obj anymore by most people now they think that he hasn't done shit since he's come to Cleveland. That's the perception. Yeah. He, uh, he, well, um. He he <laughs> needs to do it. There's 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 no choice. It's a mentality for him that this has to happen. He wants to win, but he still wants to be that guy. So it's it's. I mean, but it's, it, it's not interesting.
1: that guy. Well, we,
3: we don't know. Not. We don't know that. We don't we don't know that. We don't know if he's still that same guy who came from New York. Because things have just never meshed here. And there's a reason why they haven't meshed.
1: Maybe it's because yeah. of his attitude.
3: Well, and there you go. And that's what you said when we start, you started this. That those are things that have happened. And a lot and of... I hope pres- he
1: proves me... And don't get me wrong. I hope he proves me absolutely fucking wrong. I want to be proved wrong. Because I want it to work. I want to win. I want to get the W's. I want to see a Super Bowl win. I want to see the Vince Lombardi trophy in Cleveland. See, okay. Don't get,
3: don't get me wrong. I'm not... I'm not disagreeing with what yeah. you're saying, okay? But I, th- this is the other side of the coin on what he is
2: mm-hmm. or
3: what he feels that he has to be. And it's it's hard for a guy who was at that pinnacle, you know, when he rolls back down the hill. It's hard for guys like that to accept that, especially yeah. when it was things that happened that were really correctable things that weren't done until the injury. And that's, that's on him. That was on coaching staffs that were here. It's, it's not just an OBJ thing. There, there's a lot of people involved in that, you know, but you sit yeah. here today and it's a big question mark. You don't know what you're going to get. You don't know what you're going to get between these two. And that bothers me a little bit because I don't want to see pre OBJ injury on the field in this offense or the quarterback struggling. To just exactly. let himself be himself. That's what that's the concern I have. And that's what I want to see when we get in the camp. Because look how Baker, good we
1: did without OBJ. Right. Where, I'm just saying. I'm just putting that out there. Because it's a fact. Yeah. He I, played I, better without OBJ.
3: It, it's To me, it's going to be. The biggest testament is going to be the growth of Baker Mayfield. And how he handles this. Because the dynamic of OBJ is going to be that dynamic. Until Baker proves that. His dynamic
0: is the ultimate rule. Yeah, so, Lane, I don't think we heard your number yet for OBJ. Yeah, you didn't, I...
1: <laughs> sir. Shit. It's Shit. your turn. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> I knew I was gonna get slapped. He's at some like, point. if I talk long enough, maybe they'll just forget that. Oh, I Oh no! Some
1: <laughs> oh no! A woman does not forget. <laughs> what is your number, sir?
3: Uh, OBJ is gonna be a solid seven plus. Nice. Okay.
0: Well, then let's go to the Browns' defense. We'll just say the whole defense, Rachel.
1: Eight. Woo!
3: Nice. Uh, you're looking at the possibility of eight or nine new starters on this defense. Yeah. Um, I, I have faith
1: a, in the coaching staff.
3: I think a lot's going to come down to. No, I do too. Uh,. I'd I bet you say
1: seven.
3: It's, yeah, I, it's, I'm in that area. <laughs> I just, I see troubles. I see incorporating all this with just such a vast change in numbers on the defensive side of the ball. I see that a lot of the things that they did a season ago aren't going to be the same yeah. as they're going to be this season because they're going to be able to involve and incorporate more of the philosophy that Joe, Joe Woods wants to play because they're going to have that type of talent on the field. Yeah. You know, and at the end of the day, if you get good coaching, to- talent takes care of, takes care of business. Talent is talent. Uh, I can see him coming out of the gate slow. I can see the train really speed up down the tracks as the season starts plugging along. I, I see them in that seven area. I could see them higher. I think by the end of the year with good health, they're going to exceed the seven easily. Yeah.
2: yeah.
3: I think it's just, I think it's just going to be, there's going to be those struggles for a, a team. That's really going to be new.
1: Yeah. That as is they,
3: true. As they get into it. Cause it's, it, I mean, it really is. It, it's not easy, especially with that much change in numbers. You just, You got to communications got to get done, the understanding, and that's going to be the key. And that was one of the things that they just they were terrible. They sucked a season ago with communications, blown coverage after blown coverage. So but you got some guys who have experience that are going to be back there, like Johnny Johnson, the third, who is arguably one of the best safeties in football. And this guy can play anywhere. He can do anything. He's a great communicator. He's the quarterback back there just a, a, a huge pickup so you know I'm gonna go seven and I can see this thing just really staking off from oh, there good. Yeah. plus plus I had to make sure I just stay one behind Rachel because I didn't want to get slapped <laughs> later when she right
0: <laughs> well you guys both talked highly about the about the uh, coaches so let's throw Joe woods out there um what's your what's your uh confidence rating on Joe Wood heading into the season
1: seven and a half.
0: We're going to halves now. Yeah. Lane.
1: <laughs> I make the rules here.
0: No, I'm just kidding. That works for me. <laughs> Seven and a quarter.
2: Oh, Seven God. and a quarter? <laughs>
0: yeah. anyway, any, anything above five on uh, defense and Joe Woods is pretty, is pretty, sounds pretty good to me heading, yeah. you know, after last season. Let's just put
1: it this way I think he's going to do a lot better this year because he's going to have the, the tools behind him now. And he's going to be able to run the game that he wants to run, you know, of course, with Coach um, Stefanski. But I I really think there's going to be a huge improvement we're going to see on that side.
3: Yeah, I'm going to, I'll put it this way. The talent that they brought in that has experience is greatly going to help them. Yeah. The key is going to be with Joe Woods and the position group coaches to get these young guys ready and get him to understand, get him to play within the responsibility of the defense. You're just not looking at just one guy. I mean, you got to Delpit, you got to Newsome, you got to JOK. You bring a linebacker in from Indianapolis, um, it's Anthony Walker. Yeah. There's It's a lot of moving pieces that you have to get to, and that's what's going to make it it's going to be a challenging offseason and it's a, a challenging training camp because there's just so much that has to happen to come together for this thing to be a wheel and roll and not be a block and just sit there flat. So yeah. the opportunity is great that there's a lot of talent. I mean, this thing could, let me like say it could skyrocket. Joe Woods, he's had success in the, in the past as a position coach, as a, Cause DC has been in good places. They can play a lot of defense like they did in San Francisco and things like that. So they're set up now for success because of what they've been able to achieve and bring it in. Um, I mean, this is it. We're going to find out who Joe Woods is now. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I, I almost forgot. We had a few questions from Twitter. Um, oh, I'm just going to go through this real quick. Hey, um, hey, whatever, you whatever you need to do, we'll just, let's do it. Okay. Uh, first one is from, uh, it's at YBYRED1, and I think we were just talking about this, so um, we'll see if we want to expound on this at all. But a lot being made about the continuity on offense, but the defense could have mostly new players or players who played no snaps last year. Does that present any problems for the team? I think that's pretty much what we were just what Yeah, were we were just talking, talking about, about that. So, so I wanted to, to get that question out there, but I think we've had that, uh, that that's been answered. Um, the next one is from uh, Pittsburgh sucks seventy <laughs>
1: five.
0: <laughs> um, I saw that one. Yeah. Uh, do you think Mac Wilson gets cut or traded? Oh my god!
1: Are you going to answer it, later or am
0: I? Yeah, I mean that's a you know that's kind of what I was going to before. To, you know, our guys marked or uh, you know or or you know Mac's one of those guys. I you know I don't think he. Had a great year last year, but, you know, he was injured part of the season. You know, is, is he coming in on a, you know, with a level playing field like everybody else?
1: You know, I'll, I'll a, say it this do? way. I think he needs to stop um, smacking his gums together and prove it. <laughs> <laughs> I, Bottom line. I'm speechless.
3: I I, I, got, I mean, I actually have nothing to say. She just said it. Yeah. Shut up. Play the game.
2: <laughs> yeah.
3: But. Yeah, I, I think it's, but let, I think it's me, dependent on how he shows up and plays, right? But I'll just say that I don't
0: expect him to be here.
1: I don't either. Honestly, I don't. <laughs> if he You've is. got
0: two new linebackers who are going to make the team, right? Yes. So. Well,
1: if he is here, he has to stop flapping his gums and just do it. and prove everything that he says he can do. Because uh, we haven't yeah. seen what he actually can do. And that's not because, you know, yeah, he was injured and everything, but he likes to talk a lot and I like the guy. And so I'm not trying to be a bitch about it or anything like that. Shut up and prove it. It's
0: all about the actions. Yes. Um, what's your favorite food to get at a game? You want to take that first, Rachel?
1: That's Jay. <laughs> uh, that uh, I would have to say, because I don't go to too many games, I have to get the nachos and a collector's cup of a drink because I have almost all the collector's cups of every game that I've been to. So <laughs> it's really a drink and nachos.
0: Excellent.
3: I, you know, let me I'll just put it this way. I don't when I'm at a game, I'm not at a game, if that makes any sense to you. <laughs> uh, I'm usually sitting somewhere else. Um I but know what But when I I do watch football, and I like to watch football at home, I will destroy some wings. Oh, yeah. And that's what I do. So, football, wings, winner. I'm good.
0: Excellent. And the last one, um, this is all for you, Lane. Lane. Uh, could you discuss the use of GPS data and scouting analytics oh, using Jesus. Richard LeCount as an example? Is this a trend to watch going forward?
3: That is a very deep and long, <laughs> su- long subject.
1: I it am is. not smarter than a third grader, so uh, that's too yeah. really. late.
3: <laughs> I did fractions once, no. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, how do I say this and keep it short and sweet because it's not a short and sweet subject? Uh, GPS data helps a team, a player, a coach, physical trainer, helps them learn, understand, and see what a player does at different functions or capabilities, such as in speed, running, endurance, heart rate, how your body's functioning, how quick you are in certain type of... uh, testing it gives them the data when you do cone drills it it's it's just also
1: mental acuity and all that stuff
3: yeah it's it's a huge huge thing it's there's there's no there's no fast quick simple answer to it it's just it's it just encompasses so much shit i would i would suggest anybody technical term right (laughs) and and perfectly said uh (laughs) i would suggest that anybody who wants to really learn and understand the intricacies of what this is you know just just google gps football tracking or training or data and it will give you every bit of information on what is done how it's used how it's incorporated into the game how it's incorporated into training it, it just tells you everything. I could sit here for a half hour and talk about this, and I would really bore myself to death so I can imagine what it's going to do to anybody else.
1: I'm sorry. What did you say I fell asleep there for a second? <laughs> so,
3: so
0: the, yeah. So, the information's out there. Uh, great question. Um, that, that's from uh, Patrick Grannon. That's at M-A-G-R-A-M-P-I-P. And the the food question was from Always Positive J. so we. That's thank my you guy.
1: He's a good dude. And we
0: thank you guys for for sending those in. You
3: know, it really was. I mean, that was. I mean, the food question is always a biggie for me. Um, <laughs> um, but you know, that about the GPS tracking that was that was really that was a, a good, great question. It's I mean, it's a really good question. It's just there's just so much to talk about, and I. <laughs> I, Too many I, numbers. I just, I would just go on and on and on. And that's the last thing we need. I I ramble enough as it is when I'm sitting here talking. So I'm just going to imagine if I actually got onto something that I had to speak <laughs> on. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> well, it, yeah. It's, uh, as I hear the Knieving evil laugh in the background, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: I'll shut up. Yeah, it's uh it's been great talking to you guys. Uh, we've been we've been going for a while. We've covered a lot of brown stuff and, and even some fun stuff too. So uh Rachel, I'm gonna give you the four. You ha- have any words in closing?
1: Um in regards to what?
0: Anything you wanna leave the the uh the listeners with.
1: Have faith in the system for the Browns. Have faith in you know uh baker have faith in coach have faith in uh ab because i have a feeling this year you know last year i wasn't too hyped about the season i you know with covid and you know just 2020 in general it just wasn't for me you know my favorite year and i'm sure a lot of us you know but the Browns gave us that one little speckle of hope that we really needed. And it actually carried over into 2021 because great things are going to happen. They're already starting to happen. And I believe that we are going to go all the way this year.
0: Well said. Yep. Lane, what would you like to leave the, the listeners with tonight? You have a rare opportunity to to see
3: your your team, your Cleveland Browns, compete for you know, something that a lot of, a lot of you guys haven't seen, you know, the, 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 opportunity to the, to be the last man standing and appreciate it and take it all in and enjoy the ride because it's, it's something that doesn't happen in Cleveland often when it comes to, comes to football and, you know, in, enjoy what you got because, you know, that, that can disappear in a hurry. It's, there's a lot to be happy about. There's a lot to be enthused about, you know, there's, a lot to really just get crazy and think that this could actually happen in your lifetime. And if the wheels don't fall off the wagon, it just may. I, I agree with Rachel there that, you know, this it's legitimate. I mean, this, this could be what it is, but you know, with all that and all that stuff, it, it, I was looking forward to coming on with you guys and I, I appreciate the opportunity. It was a pleasure and uh, I'm sure we'll talk again.
1: Absolutely
0: excellent looking forward to it this has been a lot of fun uh this has been the browns blitz and we will catch you next time